Amen. Amen. Well, this is our fourth installment of the sermon series, God is Good. Today we want to look at our approach to God or how we approach God. Well, if I was to ask you the question, how do we approach God? You would, you know, do you approach God? Are you happy? What about, uh, do you approach him from the perspective of you're sad, you're upset, or embarrassed, anything of that sort? How do you approach God? Once again, if I was to ask you the question, you would probably say, well, I approach God both ways. And, and if I was to ask you the question why, you would probably say, well, um, it's based on what I did. And so, Oftentimes, once again, our approach to God is based on what we did or our performance, our performance. Turn to Hebrews chapter four, verse 16. Hebrews chapter four, verse 16, and it reads, let us then come with confidence or some versions may say boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. It says, once again, to come boldly or with confidence to the throne of grace. Now, if you notice, it didn't say the throne of performance or the throne of works. It says the throne of grace that we may obtain uh, mercy or find favor or find grace and help in the time of need. Now, let's look at this for a moment. Let's look at the scripture. First, it's telling us to go with confidence, confidence, come boldly, come boldly, even if you need mercy. You know, we're in the same class as God. He made us a speaking spirit made in the image of God, according to the word of God. And he wants us to come with him, even if we messed up and did whatever, you know, when you messed up is not when he found out about it. He wants us to boldly come and ask for mercy. And then the part of grace. There may be something we may we may uh, be experiencing something. We need some help. And he just wants us to go to the, come to him and say, God, Father, God, I, how do I do this? I, I don't know what to do. Tell me, what should I do concerning this matter? The word of God says we'll find help. He'll give us help. He'll help us in the time of need. It is his grace. His grace upon us will help us reach the goal or help us do what it is that he's assigned us to do. His grace, his grace. Thank God for your grace. Once again, when we go to God, how do we approach God? Is it based on our performance? No, We always approach God based on what he has done for us, according to the scriptures. Now, we've been using the prodigal son as a case study. The prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son, and I've said in the past, this really could be better labeled the uh, parable of the love of the father because it shows the father's heart. It shows our father God, our heavenly father, his approach or his love towards us. 
Well, the prodigal son, once again, can be found in Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 11. But I want to examine how the two sons approached God. Now, do we remember the younger son? Now, the younger son, the word of God says, when he, after he spent all of his money on riotous living, then the word of God says a famine came. But then the word of God says he came to himself. When he came to himself, he said, how many of the servants that my father have? They have more than enough to eat. But I'm, I'm, I'm starving. So he said, listen, I'm going to tell my father. He devised a plan. I'm going to tell my father. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but make me as one of the hired servants. And so he, re he rehearsed this speech. I can imagine rehearsing this speech on the way home. But the word of God says, when the father saw him afar off, he ran to meet him. He hugged him. He kissed him in his filthy stinking all. Is that not how the father does us? The father hugged him. And when that happened, the younger son began to get his speech out. He said, Father, I'm no longer uh, worthy. Because, and, and, you know, father just really ignored it. And I'm not trying to hear that. In fact, the father told him, hey, put him on my brand new $10,000 suit. Put on my brand new alligator shoes. Put him on my ring. And let's have a party for him. He went out to meet the younger son. Now, the younger son, if you notice, he had this approach to God, uh, or I'm not God, I'm sorry, but his father as a servant. But if you notice, the father restored him and restored his sonship because at the end of the day, he made that young son. He did not see that young son as a servant. Once again, that son came from him. The son came from him. Listen, we came from our father, God. Once again, we've been made in the likeness of almighty God. So when we go to God, once again, we should come boldly. It doesn't matter what we've done, just like the, the prodigal son, the younger son. He came to the father. Now, granted, he was kind of, um, he kind of took a, a, a lesser approach, or not a lesser approach, but a, a um, a lesser level or, or the level of a servant, I should say. But still, he came to the father. And once again, if you notice, the father did not bring his sin up. The father didn't even acknowledge the stuff he was saying. The father, once again, acknowledged his sonship and restored his sonship by giving him his suit, the ring, the shoes, and had a party for him. Now, let's examine the approach of the older son. The word of God says when he found out, speaking of the older son, when he found out that there was a party, the music and the dance was going on was because his younger brother returned home. The word of God says the older son got angry and would not go into the party. So the father, just like the younger son, went out to entreat him, to implore him to come to the party, invite him, hey man, come to the, to the party. But the younger son, I'm sorry, the older son was upset. He pulled his list out. He said, this guy, he went and spent all your money on doing who knows what and sin against you and you throw him a party. But I've done everything you told me to do 
I've worked hard for you. Every time you told me to do something, I did it. He read his list out in front of the father. And he said, Father, you didn't even give me a goat that me and my friends may be merry or we may have fun. You hadn't even given me. You have not appreciated the things that I've done. But if you notice the father's reply, the father didn't say, OK, son, you're right. I have not treated you right. I'm going to give you a goat. No, the father said, all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. Now, why did he tell him that? Because he had already given his inheritance or his estate. He divided the estate between the two sons, which, we, which is in verse 12. He already did his part. But the older son wanted the father to give him something. Isn't that just like the church? The church wanted God heal my body. In fact, you hear some people say, they may say, God, come down here, stretch out your hand, stretch out your hand, and touch sister so-and-so in the hospital when God has commanded us to do it. He read his list. God, I have fasted and prayed, and I, I've served you all these years in the church, and, and I just ask you to heal my mother. God, I pay my tithes. I do all these different things. We read a list and we're coming, we're approaching God, our Heavenly Father, on the basis of what we have done instead of what Jesus has done. The older son, once again, approached the father based on his own works. But the father had already made, laid up his inheritance for him. Only thing he had to do was receive it like the younger son. You all, once again, we're asking the question, how do we approach the father? And these two ways are really the wrong way to approach. Because once again, the scripture tells us that we should go boldly before the throne of grace or with confidence when we're approaching almighty God. Once again, we're made in the similitude of almighty God. So, we see here how we shouldn't approach the father. Now, then the question is, then how do we approach God correctly? How do we approach God correctly? Well, remember this. You always approach the father. You always, always approach him based on the redemptive works of Jesus Christ. In other words, once again, what Jesus has done, because the father sees you when he looks at you, he sees the blood of Jesus. He does not see the sin. Once again, he's not holding your sins. He's not holding my sins against us. No, he sees Jesus. So therefore, since he sees us through the blood of Jesus, through the redemptive work of Christ, then we should approach him as such. That's why we can go boldly before the throne of grace. Even if you're messed up real bad, go boldly before the throne of grace and ask for mercy and forgiveness. That's the type of heavenly father that we have. That's the type of heavenly father that we have. Now, let me, let me just say this. If you have a child, let's say that you have a 10-year-old child. And by the way, we never become God's adults. We will always be his children. Let's say you have a 10-year-old son or daughter and they get into some trouble. You would want that child to come to you. You wouldn't want that child to hide from you. 
You don't want that child to be afraid of you. No, you want that child to always be able to come to you. Because you know what? If they come to you right away, you can fix the problem. How much so does our Heavenly Father want us to do the same? He wants us to come with boldness, knowing that he's a loving father. He's not going to hold our sins against us. He is not this big God that has his lightning bolt ready to strike us down because we have done wrong. No, that's not the picture of our heavenly father. Right now, we're in the dispensation of grace. He is no longer angry with us. So every time we approach the father, we always approach him from the basis of what Jesus has done. Not our works, but what Jesus has done. Now, we all have done this at least one time in our walk with God, our walk with Christ. Think about it. How did you approach Jesus? How did you approach the Father when you gave your life to Christ? How did you approach him? Did you say, well, you should accept me as uh, a son of yours because I've done this, 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 and that. No, no. In fact, every now and then you, you hear someone say the opposite. You hear someone say, man, look, I messed up so bad. And I got I to gotta get myself right before I can come to the church. Or I got to get myself right before I can come to God. Every now and then you may hear that. But then the good preacher or the good witness or the good deacon or the good brother or sister would say, no, you don't need to do that. Listen. Just as you are, you can accept God or you can ask God to come into your life right then or right here and now. And that person will have faith to believe that is not based on their works, good or bad. It's based on what Jesus has done. And we would with vigor tell that person that, persuade that person that only thing they have to do is come to Christ. And that is correct. We all have to come to Christ this very way. Once again, not on the basis of what we've done, good or bad, but on what Jesus had already done for us. Well, don't you know that's the exact same way that we approach God when it comes to healing, our healing, our uh, deliverance and our prosperity. It works the same way. It works the same way. So let's look at this. I know I said a lot there as it relates to your healing. Let me give you an example. And this can be found in Acts chapter three, beginning at verse one. Do you remember the um, Peter and John was at the temple gate and they saw a crippled man. The word of God says that the, the, the crippled man stretched out his hands as if he wanted alms, wanted expected to receive alms. But Peter said, you know, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't really have much, I don't have any money on me right now, but what I do have, I can give to you. The word of God says he, he picked up that man with his right hand and said, look, basically, listen. Through the power of Jesus Christ or the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. The word of God says the man heard the word, he received the word and he acted on the word and the word of God says he stood up jumping and praising God. What did he do to receive his healing? Did he 
receive his healing based on all the good things he's done? Did he receive his healing based on all of the bad things he's done? No, he received his healing based on the word of God that he heard. When he heard the word, he received the word. Now, what's proof that he received the word? He obeyed the word. He stood up. Brother Peter helped him up and he stood up. He was just received. He received what Jesus Christ had already provided for him. Now, you know, it's interesting. You know, we always say that God is not a respecter of person. And then if he's if he's not a respecter of person, just like he healed that lame man. He has healing ready for you, already provided. In fact, the word of God says that in 2 Peter 1 and 3, his divine power has given us all things that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. In other words, he's already had everything that pertains to your life and godliness, everything that you will possibly need. He's already provided it for you. So there, go back again. So if God is not a respecter of person, then the issue of us of receiving our healing is not on God, but it's on us. You may say, well, no, I believe God can do it, you know, and I, but do you really believe that? Do you really believe the scriptures? Remember the example I gave earlier, or I'd say uh, a few sermons ago, you know, when we, when we uh, hear the statement, God is good all the time, all the time, we can repeat it, God is good. We know that. But once again, how many of us believe it? We mentally assent that that statement is true. We hear it. We can recall it. We understand it. But it must become revelatory. It must become I'm sorry, revelation in our hearts. We must believe it in our hearts to receive it. You know, believing is just a choice. It's nothing deep. You just choose to believe it. Just like if someone was to give you something or, or I'm sorry, would tell you something, you have a choice rather right then and there to believe what they say, to believe it or not. It's simply a choice. That's an example of, of healing. Let's look at deliverance. This story can be found in Mark chapter five, beginning in verse one. Do you remember the madman of the Gadarenes? The word of God says when Jesus came to that, that land, it says that this demonic man came out to meet Jesus. Now, there's a lot in this. We're all talking about how we approach the father. He came out to meet Jesus. Now, let me just say this. Out of anyone in the Bible, if the enemy had total control, it looked like he would have had he would have stopped this man from going after Jesus or coming to Jesus. But the enemy did not. The man, where God says, ran to meet, he ran to meet Jesus. And long story short, the word of God says that Jesus cast the devil out of the man. He received his deliverance, but look how he approached Jesus. Grace was there. Once again, Jesus is not, he, there's no, he's not a respecter of person. What he did for that demonic man, he'll do for you. It doesn't matter what type of habit or hang up that you may have, he's already provided deliverance from you. In fact, you need to say, thank God that I'm delivered. 
You may just got through smoking, whatever. Thank God I am delivered. You may just got through drinking, uh, whatever. Thank God that I am delivered. Thank God that you're delivered. You must know who you are in Christ. Right now, we're talking about our approach. Now, let's continue on. So far, in these examples I gave, the grace was there. Only thing they need to do was to receive. Just receive. Now, prosperity works the same way, but it is a little different. And it's different from this perspective. When it comes to prosperity, you always need someone else. There's always someone else involved. You cannot buy and sell to yourself. There's always someone else involved with your prosperity. If you think about it, if you hear the word, you can receive your salvation. If you hear the word, you can receive your healing. If you hear the word, you can receive your deliverance. And if you hear the word and believe the word, you can receive your prosperity. But there's also, along with that prosperity, once again, someone else is involved in this picture, in that matter. Now, let me give you an example. Let's look at Luke chapter 5. If we look at Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, it's a story of Peter. The word of God says the people pressed Jesus. They wanted to hear a word from, from Jesus. And so uh, the word of God said Jesus borrowed Peter's boat and asked Peter to, to push him to the shore a little bit so he can teach the people. The word of God says that after Jesus finished his sermon, he then went to Peter and told him to launch out in the deep. Now, let's go back and let's look at some things. We can gather some things from what just happened. And I think this explains uh, what I just said about prosperity as, as relates to needing other people. Other people will be involved with your prosperity. Number one, if we notice that Peter gave something to Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. He gave something to Jesus. He gave him his boat. When Peter gave Jesus his boat, that boat at that time, uh, it changed jurisdictions. What do you mean? It's Peter's boat, but when he gave the boat to Jesus, it was under the jurisdiction of heaven. Jesus was using the boat to preach to the people. He gave, Peter gave Jesus his boat and his boat came under jurisdiction of heaven during that time. The word of God says Jesus gave the boat back and told Peter or gave Peter an instruction. You know, the word of God says if we pay our tithes concerning the tithes, it says that he will open up a window, the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you won't have room enough to receive. Uh, or Roberts, uh, I remember he talks about this. He said that the, the, the open door of heaven, the windows of heaven is an instruction that God is going to give you. God is going to give you an instruction because we know that God's not going to rain money out of the sky. We know that God is not going to counterfeit any money. But the word of God says He'll open up the windows of heaven. Once again, Or Roberts said those windows of heaven represents an instruction that God is going to give you that's going to prosper you. Furthermore, the word of God says he'll bless the work of your hand, meaning that you have to do something. Your work, your hands has to do something. The word of God said he'll bless the work of your hand. 
Now, let's get back with the story. Number one, Peter gave Jesus something. Two, because of that, he received an instruction. Now, when he received the instruction, Peter was a little hesitant. You know, he said, Lord, we've toiled, we worked all long trying to go fishing. We hadn't caught a thing. But he said, yet at your word, I'll do what you asked me to do. Once again, Jesus told him to go lunch out in the deep and throw your nets for a draw. And when Peter did that, the word of God says he caught so many fish that he needed, listen, help. Number one, he gave Jesus something. Two, Jesus, he received an instruction. And three, he followed the instruction. Number four, he signaled his partners to come help him. He needed someone else's help. He need, you need someone's help to help you run the business. There's always someone else involved when it comes to your prosperity. The word of God says that when his partners came, there was so much fish that, that the uh, fish filled up both boats so much so that both boats almost sank. They began to sink. Then number five, Peter st still had to sell the fish to someone else. The point is there's always someone else as it relates to your prosperity. Once again, when it comes to healing, deliverance, salvation, once you hear the word, you can get that directly from God. But when it comes to your prosperity, you can get the assignment from God, but you always need someone's help as it relates to helping you with the business. Peter had partners. And then number and then number five, once again, you have to sell to someone. Now, I know I kind of got off a bit, but we're talking about how we approach God. How do we approach the father? And the answer, once again, is quite simple with boldness, with confidence, knowing when we ask him, he's going to give us the answer. He is going to give us the answer. His grace is. It's already been made available for us to receive. Only thing we have to do is receive it by faith. Although we don't see it in the, in the natural, we receive it by faith. We receive it by faith. So once again, we don't want to approach God from the perspective of we're unworthy. We don't want to approach God from a perspective of when we read my list off, God, I've done this, this, and I deserve this, and I'm going to try to move you based on what I have done. No, both of those are the wrong way. We always approach God, once again, based on the redemptive works of Jesus Christ or the blood of Jesus. Through what Jesus has done, we can boldly go before the throne of grace and ask for help and grace and mercy in the time of need. Amen? Give God a hand clap of praise.